everybody, Tom here. This will be our last podcast of 2023. Device Talks won't be putting on any podcast next week, but I did want to thank you for uh, another tremendous year. Uh, it's been our sincere pleasure, Kayleen Browns and mine, to uh, bring you the stories that we've been able to bring. And believe me, we're working on many, many more. I might be asking for your help a little early uh, next year. Love to get some uh, feedback from our listeners. Stay tuned for that. But otherwise, enjoy this wrap-up of the top stories of 2023, uh, brought to you by, of course, Chris Newmarker, the newsmaker himself, and uh, Kayleen and Jim Hammerand, Managing Editor of Metal Design and Outsourcing. Really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you do, too. And uh, more important, I hope you have a wonderful uh, time with your family. Maybe you're taking some time off, maybe not. But uh, in any way, uh, I hope you uh, find some peace and joy. And I look forward to uh, to sharing stories with you in 2024. Thank you, everybody. All right, you ready for this? Ready. Tom Salemi of Device Talks. Welcome back to the Device Talks Weekly Podcast. We've got a full house here in the Device Talks studio. Of course, we've got my podcast partner, Chris Newmarker, Executive Editor of Life Sciences. Chris Newmarker, how are you, sir? Doing well. Good to be here, Tom. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. We're recording this at 5 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday. We're all working a full day tomorrow, and then we're off on Friday, and I think many of us will be... uh, be gone until the new year so yep, it's uh, exactly, an exciting yep. time you know the days are getting super short it's already getting a little dark outside seeing the holiday lights like uh, coming out on the streets so uh, and i have a question for you but i want to bring in our co-host because it's a question actually for all three of you that you can begin to address we've got kayleen brown our managing editor of device talks kayleen thanks for joining us in the podcast Woo! thank you hello gentlemen Woo-hoo. Excited to talk about the year's big news with you. And we also have Jim Hammerand, Managing Editor of Medical Design and Outsourcing. Jim, thanks for joining us on Device Talks Weekly. Hey, Tom. Always a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. So we were talking holidays. My my, my question for the three of you, you have young children of varying ages. Elf on the shelf, yay or nay? Chris no, Newmark, no you way. <laughs> Attaboy. <laughs> Jim Hammerin, how about you? Creepy. I'm a strong no. I don't like the uh, Amazon ring doorbells, and this is just an extension of that surveillance state. (laughs) I don't want my kids thinking someone's always looking. And honestly, I don't have the creativity to figure out some more mischief for them to get into. So I'm just telling the kids, you know, you're, you know, good behavior, good kids. Don't worry about it. And And it's working out so far. And Kayleen Brown, your young one, he's 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 just one, so he's probably not aware of all the the, the show business that goes along with the holidays yet, particularly Christmas. How are you? Uh, how are you anticipating uh, the Elf on the Shelf question? Well, you know, in just a few years, there's going to be something other than Elf on the Shelf. So my gut tells me for today, the answer is no. Let's just try to have him be a good person all year long without trying to report back to an elf. But we'll see what happens in the next couple of years. Uh, that answer may change. Great. These are these are good parents here in this podcast. I, I agree completely. I could never, to Jim's point, I never had the creativity. I, I can barely remember to put the money under the pillow when they lose a tooth. 
I'm not going to be able to put the shelf in an embarrassing incident every single night. It's just too much work. So. Wait, wait a second. The Tooth Fairy isn't real? Yeah, wait. <laughs> Come on, Tom. You never, can't get the secret. You never you put money. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Jensen cannot listen to this episode. No, yeah. no, exactly. <laughs> please, please, parents, if your kids are in the car, we, we may reveal secrets about Santa Claus that you have not yet shared. Uh, so... I have, I, a seven, I have a seven-year-old elsewhere in the house, but the door's shut. So I'm, <laughs> I, I, hopefully I'm safe. Hopefully I'm safe. All right. So all right, we're but we're here to talk ad, about advent uh, calendars. Advent calendars, great. You know, piece of chocolate for the kids every day. You know, who's going to be against chocolate every day? I, yeah. I mean, come on. Gosh. What, are you running for political office? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I would totally use that platform I was running for office. Chocolate every day for everyone. We're, we're all pro-chocolate every day. Love it. Exactly. But we're here to talk about the newsmakers yes. of 2023. Chris, you uh, just moments ago posted on Mass Device the top 10 trends, the top medtech trends of 2023. Finally crafted a meaty 1,500-word article now now up on Mass Device. And I know you surveyed thousands of people. You, you poured through, uh, through records of some sort. I'm sure you were you, in, in putting this list together. Right? It was exhausting. I mean, it actually was like polling our editors, you know, to like, hey, what, what do you think are the top trends that really stuck out to you this year? And, you know, and looking at our analytics too, like what, what were the stories that were really getting the most views on, you know, mass device and medical design and outsourcing, and then, you know, kind of just making those calls then on, you know, what, you know, what the top trends were, you know, for the year that, you know, so, but it wasn't totally just the, uh, the editors here, you know, and, and, you know, and you and Kayleen, like, you know, sitting around saying, gee, what's important? I mean, we, we inform this, you know, with the, uh, you know, with the, um, you know, with the data on like what what our audience is really getting excited about. Plus, we're super keyed in on LinkedIn, like so, and we're just seeing like what gets a lot of buzz on LinkedIn when we're posting about all the all the different news going on. All right, well, let us roll into number ten. We'll work from the top number ten down to number one. Do we got a drum roll? And, do you uh, got some drum roll sound effects for this? Like, let me see if we do. Right. Uh, we should. No, we we don't pay for the drum rolls in this in this uh, thing. Medtronic probably wouldn't lend you the drum mobile core. Medtronic does that drum mobile core thing in the uh, in their earnings calls, but they probably wouldn't lend that to you, right? Like the quad drums. Yeah, and, no, no, no. That, those are great drums. Those are Chris Newmark number ten. What is it? Number ten on the list is kind of like all the questions that you know people in the industry have been having about how you know all these like really new popular GLP-1 drugs like uh Wegovy yeah. and Azempic are going to affect the industry but you know uh, Jim I mean has has like really covered a lot of a lot of points of, of view in the industry on this I mean Jim what what, what do you think some of the big themes are about that well, it's funny because you can always hear the executives on the earning calls every time they get one of these questions and they're always faced with them. It's a little bit of exasperation, a little bit of a sigh, like, okay, here comes another one of these questions because there's been a lot of attention on the potential for these drugs and everyone who wants to know, okay, if patients are thinner, does that reduce the need for joint replacements? If they are healthier, does that replace the need for cardio procedures? Does that, you know, if, if they can lose weight by taking a pill, what kind of pressure does that put on bariatric surgeries? And so companies 
he's like, Medtronic, Intuitive, Striker. They're facing these questions, and the math that they're doing is pretty interesting. They're showing their work, and they're saying that you know they, they believe it's going to be pretty much a, a, a mild disruption initially, but in the long term, given the cost of uh, the cost of these drugs, given the difficulties in compliance, and whether the pounds actually stay off after somebody uh, goes off the drug, they actually are saying that they're seeing uh, potential for an increase in demand for their devices and these procedures. So it's still a lot of unanswered questions about what kind of coverage this will be, you know, how widely adopted they will be, and some of the long-term effects, either from side effects or even the long-term treatment effect. But um, it definitely is one of the biggest unanswered questions going into 2024 and um, one that uh, the med techs are, are definitely taking head on. Yeah, I mean, my initial reaction to that would be, you know, like, oh, gosh, yeah, like people are losing a lot of weight on these drugs. Generally, that if you lose weight, it's healthier for you. Like healthier people means less demand for med tech. But I mean, there there are some really interesting arguments about why that's that's not true yeah at striker they say you know some patients are just too heavy to uh qualify for some of these joint replacement surgeries so these drugs can slim them down to get them on the table a medtronic says hey you know if we're keeping patients alive longer from fewer cardiovascular events well that leads to a, a longer pipeline for our products uh, down the road for older people who uh, who need uh, some of these uh, interventions so really is an interesting take on it uh, optimistic look again time will tell um and everybody really is saying look if this is a, an effective treatment for obesity which is a huge problem, leads to a lot of uh, comorbidities, then uh, we should all be cheerleading. And in the meantime, I don't think device makers are uh, um, really uh, fretting too much about it. Thanks, Jim. Chris, let's move on to number nine on the 2023 Newsmakers. Well, you know, number nine, um, this this is, uh, you know, definitely more of a sad story. I mean, we just have, you know, this uh, Felix Respironic CPAP recall you know, just this year, you know, in 2023, just, you know, got, got even more serious. I mean, they're just continuing to slog through a recall involving like millions of, you know, CPAP, BPAP, ventilators, other respiratory devices with this, you know, sound abatement foam breakdown. And, you know, by mid-year this year, I mean, FDA reported more than 100,000, you know, reports that are potentially related to the problem. I mean, 385 mentioned deaths. I mean, Phyllis has already agreed to pay nearly half a billion dollars to settle, you know, U.S. economic loss claims. But there's still a slew of lawsuits over there, you know, claiming injuries and deaths. And, uh, you know, the consent decree talks with the U.S. Justice Department continue. So, and, and, you know, and most recently, just to add on to the problems, the FDA warmed of thermal issues with with the replacement CPAPs, you know, leading to, to burns and, and fires. Uh, so it's, it's just, it's, it's definitely near the top or at the top of the list of the, you know, the worst, you know, medical device industry recalls we've seen, you know, in this century so far. So, um, you know, just here, here's to hope, hoping that in 2024, we really see a lot of this get resolved. Absolutely. No, I mean, those are, those are, the, 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 the articles that we've read, the ProPublica articles that came out have certainly been, been troubling. They are the ones yeah. who were who read the real the deep expose, exposes. Of, yeah, ProPublica and the Pittsburgh uh, Post Gazette had like have had some major exposes this year, like like really talking about how this all came about, you know. So and you know and, and definitely some, you know some um some 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 serious criticisms in those articles of the way that Phillips handled this all, you know that they're you know going to have to continue answering. 
It's a big reminder of how much of the whole recall process really relies on medical device manufacturers to initiate things themselves. I, th- I would not be surprised if we see changes uh, at FDA um, about how these kinds of things get initiated, maybe um, more uh, faster reporting and probably more transparent reporting with the public and, uh, and the industry to, to have a better handle on uh, these kinds of issues when they pop up. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. It actually would be, I think, a, a bipartisan issue in an election year. I hope it doesn't get to that where it becomes hot button, but I can't imagine there'd be uh, one party or the other who would who would get against uh, who would be against strengthening those recall regulations. Yeah, definitely. Safer medical devices would seem to be a, more of a nonpartisan issue. But yeah, I guess we'll we'll see. It's all going to be the wild west, uh, you know, next year with, with all that. Um, and if any, if people want to, you know, learn more about the Phillips recall, we have like a extensive timeline of, you know, everything mm-hmm. that that's gone down with that recall. You know, over this, you know, more than two years since it was initiated. So you know, you can easily Google that up. It's on Mass Device. All right. Well, great. Important number nine. I wouldn't say great number nine, but an important number nine. I'm, yeah. Chris, why don't you introduce this to number eight on your on your list of top medtech trends of 2023? Number eight on the list uh, is, uh, you know, it's been a, a banner year for uh, diabetes tech launches and, you know, this a ton of coverage uh, from, you know, our associate editor, uh, you know, Sean Hulu, who uh, is uh, is planning to, to roll out his own, you know, roundup in coming weeks of like just all the, these launches and new in the space. It's a really, really exciting year. I mean, we had the, the launch of the next generation G7 continuous glucose monitor from, you know, Dexcom. It's 60% smaller than its uh, previous CGM. You know, d- you know, demand is like really high for Abbott's next gen Freestyle Libre 3 CGM. I mean, the, the sensors are the size of two pennies stacked together. Um, you know, Tandem Diabetes Care, they want FDA clearance for their uh, Tandem Mobi automated insulin delivery s- system. And, you know, we also had clearances for Beta Bionics, you know, ILAT. I let ACE automate insulin pump and I let dosing decision software and then Medtronic diabetes, you know, I mean, I mean, they had so many challenges around, you know, an FDA warning letter and much more, um, you know, they're kind of back, you know, they, they, they received FDA approval for their next gen mini med 780G insulin pump system, you know, with, uh, with the guardian four sensor. So just, just a lot going on. Plus like, you know, M and a, we had Abbott buying Bigfoot biomedical um, Medtronic had plans to buy the Korean insulin, pump patch pump maker eo flow where they kind of like uh nixed that deal recently it was 738 million dollars but um you know a lot of the analysts said it just showed you know how strong like uh insulates uh, ip is in that in that space you know and, and you know an insulate had been uh you know winning some you know ip battles in that area so just just a lot of exciting things going on like a lot of good news for people who have diabetes no, this was definitely one of those areas. I think that was also brought up uh, frequently in the uh, GLP one discussions. Not to go back to number ten, but I know we had uh, Karthik Balsetti from Gilda Healthcare on a few months ago, looking at venture capital investments. And I know the opportunities to invest in new diabetes devices could be impacted by GLPs one. So it seems as if with the advent of these new technologies and the arrival of GLP one, I don't know. It, it, I feel yeah. I, I'm optimistic about where we are sort of in the in the broader health landscape. Sean had a story where Abbott presented data that they said was showing that their CGM was proving complementary to GLP-1s. So you're on the GLP-1s to better manage your diabetes, you know, lose weight. And, you know, you've on top of that, you, you know, use the CGM to see how your, your blood sugar is doing through all that. 
And there's always the potential, you know, people don't always like to stick themselves with these weight loss drugs, but if you can get to a point where you have the uh, less invasive technology like diabetes device makers have, there's a lot of potential to uh, increase adoption and get over the, uh, the pain of the prick. Chris Newmarker, let's roll on to number seven. Number seven. We've got, you know, we've really, you know, this, in 2023, we saw a big shakeup in the uh, surgical robotics space. Uh, but uh, like, like Tom, I'll let you, 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 you tell people more about this. <laughs> Wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> big, huge shakeup. Tom, I've done enough. Them all I've done enough, Tom. <laughs> it's your list, my friend. <laughs> No, it's been a, everyone it's, always says robotics is hard. You know that. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Like, <laughs> as our keynote speaker from J&J said at our device talks yeah. west of it. Yeah. yeah, but no, I mean, speaking of J&J, I mean, they did have a good news with uh, with Atava. They're moving forward in that regard. We were kind of wondering what the status of, of, uh, of J&J's surgical robot was, and they're going to be moving forward with their clinical trials in the new year. So it's great to see movement there. I would expect in 2024 to see uh, movement from Medtronic as well with Hugo. Uh, we'll, I think, be hearing some some news from them. Uh, if you look at the the smaller companies out there, I mean, you reference Vicarious, who uh, certainly has a, a compelling uh, robot. And I had laughing because I posted a, a video of their robot on LinkedIn yesterday, and people just loved it. They loved the video. They loved the, the imagery. They loved the potential of these two tiny hands inside the body performing surgical procedures so i mean i think the 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 imagination and the potential for surgical robotics is is never going to go away i think people are really excited about it i think the need is never going to go away i think just i think we've talked before about 10 years ago surgical robotic systems were kind of seen as marketing tools cosmetics unnecessary that the surgeons had it on had control had all the skills they needed to get it done but the 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 more I've covered these companies and the more I've covered healthcare, I was just thinking about when I was at TCT Innovation Forum in San Francisco and, and Dr. Califf, the FDA commissioner, Robert Califf, gave a really passionate talk about the inequities of the, our healthcare system in this country and, and the way we're moving in the wrong direction. I don't think surgical robotics is the only solution, but if we can develop a system where you can perform either surgeries remotely where doctors, where surgeons from Boston can help someone in a rural healthcare setting, or perhaps to the point where we're we're able to perform cardiac ablation, or as as Fred Kisravi talked about at Device Talks West, they have their Telos platform to potentially get proper care to stroke victims earlier, which is essential and life saving. I, I really am yeah. I'm a believer in this technology. Now, you want to bring in economics, you want to bring in questions like that, that. Is things when that is when things start to get a little cloudier. But in terms of the actual technical potential, uh, I know it's been a kind of a topsy turvy year for surgical robotics. But I think we're going to come out of this year um, with clearer direction for 2024. You know, one of the most exciting stories I saw in robotic surgery this year was not from a major manufacturer. It's it's not even anywhere near commercialization, but it came out of some researchers at Boston Children's Hospital where they were able to develop this. Um, surgical robotic platform for pediatric brain tumor removal. And the idea is eventually it'll also be used for adults too, but um, just seeing the kinds of potential these uh, systems have to get into tiny spaces and to really um, address the kinds of things that uh, are really uh, can improve people's lives. Uh, it's so encouraging. And uh, I know we're going to talk about AI in a little bit, but when you layer on AI and the ability to help surgeons use, using robotic systems to, uh, in the words of one CEO I recently talked to, you know, perform surgeries like the best surgeons in the world with mm-hmm. uh, guidance and coaching from an AI system, uh, that's really, really exciting potential. 
Yeah, no, that's an excellent point, and it does bleed us into into our, our next uh, our next trend. So, number six, Chris Newmark, declare it, and then uh, we'll ask Kayleen Brown her her opinion on it. I said it was the year of AI, and uh, Kayleen, with our, our pharma editor Brian Bunce, has uh, has rolled out a new podcast, even called uh, AI Meets Life Size. So, Kayleen, you know, I think Jim said it perfectly. AI potential. I think that's really the key here. So to really talk about one thing in particular when it comes to AI is absolutely impossible. So just some highlights of what Brian, as you mentioned, Chris, and I are co-hosting AI Meets Live Side. But we've also had this wonderful opportunity to speak with senior leaders from Big Pharma, senior leaders from uh, the large OEMs on the medtech side, so GE Healthcare, Medtronic. Uh, we are also speaking with large tech companies, so Microsoft and Google, Amazon. So we're getting these perspectives from not just within life sciences, but outside of life sciences. And all of them say the same thing. It's potential, potential, potential. Specifically thinking about life sciences, I mean, it can be as specific as uh, improving imaging, uh, it could be, and I say simple, and I do that very, very lightly, but imaging has a lot of uh, implications kind of around it. Uh, AI-enhanced ECG comes to mind. Uh, so that helps with a sort of early diagnosis and interventions for cardiac care. Um, workflow. So, I mean, kind of taking a step back and not thinking about device specifically, but how can it improve workflow? And uh, one of the phrases that Brian and I have been hearing now for the last few months is allowing humans to be more human. So, taking what artificial intelligence can, um, or taking things off of our plates so that uh, have artificial intelligence focus on that. So, we have more time, again, focusing on better patient care and patient outcomes, uh, innovation. So artificial intelligence really, to me, uh, and I hope like, you know, to the year to 2023 is really about potential. One of the other things that have been really, really yeah. surprising in terms of artificial intelligence and life sciences has been, it's not new. It's just the first time we're talking about it. So that comes from, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, that's really, you know, your chat GPT that has democratized AI. So it's your generative AI and it's making it more accessible to hundreds of millions of people in a way that it never has been before. But we were just speaking with uh, Microsoft's uh, general manager of healthcare, pharma, and life sciences. I was trying to get that correct. Um, Elena Bonfiglioli. And she was talking about how Microsoft has been investing in AI research for more than 10 years now. And in the last five years or so, they've been creating technologies, um, platform-specific technologies that they have been working with life sciences companies for years on. Mayo Clinic, they've been doing research on artificial intelligence for decades. It's just now that research is being sort of un taken off the shelf and given new life to it. Uh, so it is a trend for 2023, but it's something that's been around for a really long time. And now that we tapped the potential, who knows what's next? Yeah, I mean, you have a good point too. That's a trend this year because you know, chat GPT and these generative AIs really got people talking about it so much. Like all of a sudden, like, oh, I can, I can play with this myself, you know, but, but yeah, it's like the stuff's, you know, companies and, you know, and health providers have been working with us, you know, for a long time. And, you know, it's, it 
going to be really interesting to see what the potential is. I think as people covering the industry will have to be very careful to be asking hard questions because it, it could seem like it almost seems sometimes like times that every medical device company this part at this point is claiming that they have some kind of artificial intelligence. Oh, we got artificial intelligence packaged with this, but you know, we we got to really be asking some hard questions like like what you know what is this AI you know actually doing? What kind of valuable clinical outcomes could this AI produce? You know, and we'll. It'll be it'll be fun to cover. Yeah, exactly. So, do you remember um, five, ten ish years ago when the the terminology of digital health was starting to come out in the industry? So before that, it was oh, just yes. medical device companies, and then now it was every device company has to have a digital health element. If you don't have a digital health element, you're not right. a player in the space. So that sort of what reminds me of how every. And I say that loosely, uh, the majority of med tech companies are now saying, oh, we have this AI element. It reminds me so much of digital health. But I think what they're speaking to in particular is the data. So anybody can right. be an AI enabled or AI inspired company using that, uh, the breadth and depth of the data that they've already accumulated. What AI do, is doing now is taking that data and finding new patterns, finding new uh, ways to use the data, imagine the data, clean the data. So in clinical trials in particular, uh, revisiting patients who maybe wouldn't have um, been chosen for a clinical trial and seeing what other upcoming clinical trials would be a better fit. So it's about taking, it's not about more data, but what can we do with the existing data that we have? So I think that's really what these companies are talking about when they say that they're AI enabled or inspired. It's hard to think of too many industries with more data collected and more every day than healthcare. Exactly. And, 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 no, and more, no more need of, of sorting through all that data to produce something valuable and actionable. You're absolutely right. And we're seeing medical devices really elevate, create senior positions for folks with AI backgrounds. We've got Sid Satish, Vice President of AI at Stryker. We had uh, Ha Hong from uh, Medtronic on, at, on Device Talks or speaking at Device Talks West, and he's the uh, Chief AI Officer of Endoscopy at Medtronic, and uh, Sandra Nagali. She was on our Boston Scientific Talks podcast, and she's uh, part of the uh, – she's Director of Digital Health, but we talked a great deal about the role of AI in uh, in uh, Boston Scientific's varying platforms. The AI team kind of works, the digital health team works cross discipline. So they work with a lot of different devices. So uh, certainly something that, uh, that I think will be, will be making its way onto the list in 2024 as well. And also at Medtronic, I just had a chance to uh, talk with their new uh, chief technology and innovation officer, Ken Washington. He joined from Amazon. I'm going to, I haven't had a chance yet, but after the holidays, we had a really good conversation about the different kinds of AI and their applications in MedTech. He shared this as he was sitting down with all the GMs at Medtronic and gave them kind of a, a little rundown. And so he gave the same abbreviated uh, talk to me. And I'm going to be sharing that with the readers over at Medical Design Outsourcing after the holidays, after the new year, once we uh, get back to it. Fantastic. All right. Well, good stuff. 
But, oh, uh, before we go, Kayleen, the uh, AI Meets Lifeside podcast can be heard on the Device Talks Podcast Network, but you also have your own channel. Yes. So you can find us on all major podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. And then please watch us um, on the Device Talks YouTube so you can see Brian and me talk to these huge players in the industry. Just go to Device Talks YouTube and please subscribe. Shameless plug. If you want to see that and Tom talking to his stupid headset, go to our YouTube channel. We'll be posting videos there much, much more in 2024. I'm not ashamed of wearing a headset. I'm not ashamed. Come on, folks. Everyone should have a headset. Chocolate every day. Headset. Chocolate every day. Exactly. On every every laptop. That's, I'm, I'm a firm my... believer in the headset after that. A Blue Jay uh, interrupted <laughs> one of our uh, Device Talks Weekly. So it's so right. like, rah, rah. Anyway. So... <laughs> Number five, Chris Newmarker. All right, number five. Uh, you know we've, uh, you know we have like uh, unfortunately, uh, you know we've had you know some surprise, uh, you know med tech mm. uh, shutdowns uh, this year. Um, you know, uh, you know involving especially like it seemed like it involved companies with technology that boomed during the first years of the of the COVID nineteen pandemic, but you know not not as much uh, afterwards. I mean, I mean you. Tom, you had the article about the, you know, abrupt uh, shutdown of Avail uh, Med System. Yeah. I mean, they'd had executives at our device talk shows, and I mean, it was some exciting tech. I mean, all this, you know, teleworking, you know, for for health providers. But um, yeah, I mean, any, any more thoughts on that? Well, abrupt doesn't really cover it. I mean, I had the opportunity to visit their offices the day after Device Talks West, and uh, was blown away by the tech, by the the quality of the videos, the the the, the sleekness of the of the devices themselves. It looked like something that Apple would have created. Uh, so yeah, it was shocking to hear that they were shutting down so abruptly. But I I I think partly it's an avail story. I mean, I think to your point, it was uh, it was a company that was born. In 2017, with a vision, I think the COVID pandemic and the inability for companies to get into hospitals really, really cleared a path for Avail to run through, and they raised 100 million dollars in October 2020. Uh, but as things normalize, it seems as if the demand for their ability to connect uh, people outside of a hospital with people in an OR through a, te- a really, really advanced telecommunication system wasn't as great as as folks thought. So I think that was very Avail specific, and that the market wasn't there or at least it wasn't as large as, as they were hoping but I think what's more um, universal and that we might be seeing more and more of is the the financing climate it's it's been tough it's, it's been tough for some it seems larger companies or companies have been able to raise larger rounds at value at valuations that some VCs are finding uh, just just uh, uh, extraordinarily high and something that VCs that I know and trust are not willing to be part of. So there, there are companies that are able to raise money, but there are other companies that are raising money at deep cuts in their valuations. And I think that's the where we, we might find companies like Avail, where their next round would have been so damaging to existing investors that they may not want to go through a round. We don't know the details of Avail, but I, I worry that if this continues that we're going to see more companies and we probably uh it's probably already happening we're just not seeing it more companies sort of yeah. finally slipping away uh with this current f- financing market so i think avail has it had its own story and its own challenges but i think it's representative of a larger financing cha- uh, challenging financing climate 
for medical device companies. And I- Man, it seems like a hundred years ago now, but I remember me, Tom, we were losing our minds together one, one evening when Silicon Valley Bank was going belly up. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, but that doesn't seem to have in the long run been as much of a of a problem is, you know, people worried at least because the, you know, companies with investments got their money back. They did. Yeah, they did. But I think, I think Silicon Valley Bank was certainly um, a, float, a, a very strong flotation device for a lot of companies. And the fact it's not there and not as, it still exists. It's still doing business, it's still working with startups. But the fact that it's just not just this, this force in the industry like it was, we're seeing other companies, other banks come in to kind of fill the gap. HSBC is, uh, is sort of taking on, has a lot of former SVP people working, SVB people working there and they're going to fill, they're going to, they're going to serve that startup community as well. But it just seemed to be a really stable ground when SVB was there supporting all of these startups. And now with the shakeup, we're not, we're not, it hasn't settled yet. We're not standing on steady ground. There's still some aftershocks, I guess. I mean, when I was, uh, you know, when I was, uh, you know, you know, getting this roundup together, you know, I, I, I caught a recent pitch book report that was, you know, you know, at least saying in the long term, you know, like we, we could see a rebound in investments, you know, especially that, you know, there's, there's some dry powder out there and, you know, f- you know, fingers crossed, you know, maybe the, the Fed will you know, lower rates a bit next year. Um, so like here, here's to hoping that that situation improves. Let's just go on to the next item because it kind of is related to, to this and that the M&A, the M&A environment is, is sort of uncertain. So Chris, what's the, what's trend number four on the 2023 MedTech list? I mean, you know, number four, I mean, we had, you know, we, we saw a lot of, you know, serious, refocusing in 2023 on the part of, you know, medical device companies. I mean, just businesses in general have had, you know, they had, you know, you know, have found it more expensive to run a business. I mean, we, we had inflation, higher interest rates, supply chain challenges, and then medtech companies, you know, have also had to, you know, grapple with having health provider customers, you know, working through all these, you know, operational, chi- you know, challenges. If they're doing business in China, China's centralizing buying for its healthcare system, you know, to reduce costs. So that's less money, you know, from, you know, the Chinese market, which is huge for some companies. Um, you know, so especially in the first half of the year, I mean, we saw we saw a decent amount of layoffs, um, you know, including, um, you know, we had, you know, Medtronic and Johnson Johnson MedTech among, you know, companies, you know, you know, announcing a lot of, you know, restructuring and as well as, you know, layoffs, uh, you know, uh, at, at this point, you know, Mass Device has reported on more than 18,000 job cuts in the in the industry since mid-2022, though though I would say that, the, it, you know, the reporting on that has been, you know, the, the layoff news is, is greatly tapered off in, in recent months, which is, is good news for me because I hate writing a layoff story, you know, but, uh, you know, on top of that, there's a lot of like changes in just the lay of the land with these companies, a lot of larger companies saying, hey, we need to, on top of this refocusing, we need to spin off businesses and, you know, become, you know, become more streamlined in what we do. So, I mean, we're just seeing, I mean, this, the year started out with G Healthcare officially becoming a standalone company. Um, Medtronic and DaVita officially launched their uh, Mozart medical kidney care spinoff. We have like 3Ms in, in the process of you know, spinning off 3M healthcare in a new business that's going to be called uh, Solventum. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. And, you know, I, I know like, you know, you know, Tom, our last, you know, Device Talk Weekly, you know, we had Bill Hunter, CEO of Canary Medical on here. And, you know, I, one of his hopes amid at least all that is that we'll, we'll see some you know, more mid-sized companies that, you know, could be, you know, good for like, you know, going and investing in some of those, you know, 
you know, more, more early stage medical device companies. So that, that could be one silver lining that comes out of this whole period. You're absolutely right. Just this week, Ebers Life Sciences announced they're spinning off their mm-hmm. clinical care division just to add to the list. And, and they announced that Katie Simons will be CEO. So hallelujah. Woo-hoo. Another MedTech CEO. Let's, more, more keynote speakers. Yay. Let's, 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 let's deepen the pool <laughs> a bit. Uh, and I, I think the other thing that... Uh, I think the other thing that that's feeding this is just the power of private equity. I mean, we saw HIG Capital, uh, you know, funding the spin out of a spin out. ZimV spinning out its spine business, and creating yeah. another yes. business, leaving ZimV to focus on on dental. So, yeah. I think as private equity is gaining more and more funds, this runs counter to the venture capital investing. You know, they're going to start picking apart in a good way, spinning off divisions of medical device companies. So. It gives these med tech companies an opportunity to to sort of reassess their their portfolio. Which going back to item number eight or nine about diabetes and the news that Med, uh, Medtronic Diabetes uh, didn't go through with the acquisition of that tech company. I know it was a, that was a rumored subject of spinoffs forever. I, I'm not adding. I'm yeah. not spinning that wheel again. But I wonder if that win will if that wheel will spin again. Uh, after that, uh, they, they've got a new leadership. They've got a lot of forward direction. So I'm not saying it should happen, but it'll be interesting to see if speculation begins to to circle around Medtronic diabetes again. I know in the earnings call, Medtronic's executives have been very much like gung ho about about diabetes and the potential of it. You know, but um, but yeah, like especially when they're going through challenges about a year ago, there was a lot of analyst talk like oh, maybe you should be spending this off so but um I, it's it's going to be very hard to surprise me on anything like in the next year after right. all the news we've had you know with spinoffs and all these different combinations and things going on we'd like to announce that johnson is spinning off from johnson so it's just gonna be, be johnson and that's gonna be a third company that's gonna be the ampersand out of johnson so it'll be johnson johnson and then ampersand okay great. it's just gonna be like prince it'll just be an ampersand <laughs> company formerly known as day day all right, Chris Newmarker, bring us to uh, number three on the list of top 10 medtech trends of 2023. We've had some major, you know, medtech leadership changes in 2023 as well. But I, I'll i uh, I'll let Jim, I mean, Jim's been, you know, covering this a lot this year. So, I mean, like, like Jim, the floor is yours. Um, you know, the big surprise, I think, was uh, Ashley McVoy stepping down as uh, worldwide chair of Johnson Johnson MedTech. You know, that's the second largest medical device manufacturer in the world. Um, you know, so they've got uh, Tim Schmidt stepping up. Uh, Ashley uh, is staying on um, into the first quarter, into the uh, into the new year. Um, but that really was the biggest one. We've got a, a whole roundup of um, personnel changes over at Mass Device from the year. You know, Medtronic really kicked it off with a new operating unit presidents. Um, but that was the big one. I think the other big surprise, too, is Brian Hansen stepping down as CEO of Zero Biomet to lead that uh, Solventum spinoff uh, from 3M Healthcare. And that, you know, triggered a whole bunch of changes. Uh, Ivan Tornos moving up to CEO at Zero Biomet, um, a lot, a lot of changes, a lot of shakeups, and um, you know who knows what the what the new year will bring. No, oh, it's it, Ashley McAvoy is a big one. I, I kind of see her as the the Shoei Otani of of medtech leadership. She's like this this free agent out there now. You kind of wonder where where she's going to land uh, in terms of finding a CEO role. So it's going to be uh, interesting to watch uh, what happens uh, where where she goes next. I mean, she's obviously. Uh, should be leading a company uh, and will be leading a company, I would say, in their near future. So uh, wow. it's interesting to watch her path. I hope so. 
Number two on the list, we've got uh, the first pulse system ablation approval. Um, yeah, this was actually like very cool news. We had Medtronic recently announcing that they got FDA approval of their Pulse Select Pulse Field ablation system, and this is the first of its kind approval in the U.S. for a, a PFA system to treat AFEB. And Boston Scientific is is really moving forward, strong with its uh, Ferropulse system as well. They're expected to get approval in uh, in twenty twenty four. But I mean, this uh, this technology has just been generating a lot. Of, of excitement um, just because you know it has it it has this you know this this ability to you know ablate cardiac t- tissue to treat AFib but you know because you know it's a non-thermal method it, it there, there's a greatly reduced risk of damage to surrounding structures so I mean just think like you know a uh, you know an ablation treatment you know with with hopefully a fewer complications um, you know so you know I, I I expect, you know, we'll, we'll be getting even more news in the space. I mean, Medtronic also has a Ferris system that they acquired that can toggle between pulse fail, field and uh, radio frequency ablation, you know, so that, you know, like, you know, doctors in the cath lab don't have to choose which kind they're going to use. They can, you know, like, you know, like have, have this choice right right at their fingertips. And, you know, Johnson Johnson's Biosense Webster has a clinical trial going on of like, a, of like its own dual energy ablation, you know, catheter. So, I mean, just a lot of, a lot of news is here, you know, and, uh, you know, more to come. And what's so great about this pulse field ablation is, you know, you can really limit the damage to the, uh, the heart tissue that you want to ablate, but avoid damaging nerves that are running down uh, the esophagus and other and, and nearby. And um, it was actually interesting. I was, I was talking with uh, Medtronic EVP um, and cardiovascular president, Sean Salmon. He was telling me, because this predates my time in MedTech, but he was telling me that Ardian actually was trying pulse field ablation to treat hypertension with renal denervation, but it didn't work because it only kills the muscle tissue, not the nerves, and they want to kill the nerves. And he said that uh, pursuing a pulse field ablation almost undid Ardian until they moved to those radio frequency energies. I, I had no idea. Sometimes the RF is good, you know, like sometimes the pulse field's good. So That's depending big, on what you're trying big, to do. Big throwback, yeah, for sure. Okay, well, that, it's certainly a, an important field. We'll be talking about it at uh, Device Talks Boston, trying to get a panel together of the leaders in that space. So uh, it's a story we'll continue to follow. All right, we are on the big number one. I'm not sure if it's going to be a surprise to anybody because it's the only this the big story we haven't mentioned yet. But uh, Chris I mean, Merkin, big... you want to announce, and then uh, Jim Hammerin, you can expand. It was renal denervation. It finally got cleared by the FDA after like years and years and years. Um, like, but but Jim, it's all you, man. Yeah, so this has been, what, 13 years, the baker's dozen, yes. uh, to get this one across the finish line. Uh, there have been failed trials. There have been companies large and small that got into it, got out of it. Some stuck with it. Uh, Medtronic stuck with it, but was not the first across the finish line. Ended up being uh, Recore Medical with their renal denervation system, the uh, Paradise system, which is an ultrasound uh, balloon catheter versus Medtronic's system, the uh, spiral system that got approved about a week after Recore won that first of the kind approval. And um, you know, there, there's subtle differences to the difference to the different systems. Uh, and now um, heading into 2024. 
we actually have potentially a third competitor um, that's pursuing chemical ablation. So they're using alcohol, injecting it into the uh, the vessel walls to kill the nerves. And this is uh, ablative solutions. They just announced this week that their pivotal trial hit the endpoints. And when I was talking with their CEO, Kate uh, Ronil, uh, she was saying that they're uh, going to be announcing more results in early 2024. And hopefully looking at, you know, maybe approval 2025. So this is, you know, why is this RDN such a big story? It's hypertension. I mean, hypertension kills so many people, heart attacks, strokes, so many problems yeah. down the road. If we can uh, address this in a minimally invasive way, uh, address it in a way that doesn't require people to adhere to a, uh, a complicated or even sometimes a simple medication regimen. Um, this is uh, this could really be um, a real big game changer, and uh, stay tuned with that alcohol-based renal denervation because it doesn't require a, a generator to um, get the uh, ultrasound waves or the uh, uh, the radio frequency energy. It's just uh, a, a kind of a shot of uh, alcohol right into the wow. catheter. That's a that's a great recap, and I, and, I, and you're absolutely right as to why this is the number one story. And I would add to that that. It was 10 years ago. It'll be 10 years ago on January 9, 2024, when Medtronic was at J.P. Morgan and announced the, the disappointing trials of, of the device that they had acquired from Artie. And um, it was uh, uh, news that literally shook all of Union Square because I think Artie was just one of those 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 terrific medtech stories where you're going to take this technology that 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 had one purpose applied to a part of the body that had another purpose to achieve this great medical outcome. It was just like this giant swing for the fences that so many people were inspired by. There were anywhere between, depends who you talk to, you know, four, seven, 30 companies that were focused on renal innovation at the time. And when that news came out and Omar Shrek stood up at JP Morgan and, and, and released the news, the air completely went out of renal innovations and to a great degree, MedTech because it was just one of those fantastic stories. So it's a it's a tale of of, of uh, uh, perseverance and and redemption. And I think it's great that uh, Medtronic stuck with it through all these years. There was a time in the after that announcement in 2014 that it appears if it wasn't going to go forward, and then it was. And it's it's just great news for the company for the sector. And as Jim said, of course, for patients as well, for hypertension patients as well, because. This is another yeah. disease where medications can help to a degree. They can help to a degree. It's great to have another option to help people who are very sick and, and need some help. You know, Medtronic's now looking at the you know potential for you know using you know this uh, this technology along with cryoablation to uh, you know provide AFib treatments. I mean, that's mm-hmm. there's even more potential that could come out of this. And Tom, what one word you said, you know, perseverance. I've been uh, in recent weeks, actually since the approvals came, I've been uh, interviewing, you know, Recourse CEO and the uh, SVPs and EVPs at Medtronic asking what were the lessons learned? And besides all of the, you know, exciting lessons in clinical trials and regulatory and how they learned to take blood tests from patients to make sure they either were on their meds or off, per- perseverance, persistence kept on coming up. And I asked them, Medtronic, how do you keep pushing? You know, you've got failed trials. How do you keep pushing? And everyone, even at Recourse, said, we believed in the technology, we believed in the mission to help patients. That's what kept us pushing toward the finish line, and uh, now they're over it. That's fantastic. That's great. That's what always amazes me about medtech of many levels, where think about 10 years, thinking about spending your life, 10 years of your life working on something, and to have it not come to a conclusion, to have not a successful outcome, and to wonder how those 10 years were spent. 
it's yeah. it's it's just an amazing commitment that people pour their lives and their time into very uncertain outcomes. Uh, it really is a leap of faith. That's a great point, Jim. All right. So that wraps up the top 10. Chris Newmarker, great great list. Uh, I think you hit upon all the big ones. We, of course, went longer than we, we thought we would, but we had a lot to talk about and I think a lot of great thoughts. Just to wrap up, uh, I asked folks just to kind of come up with their, their kind of person of the year. It doesn't have to be, you know, the most famous person, maybe just someone they had a conversation with that's, that's stuck with them. So for the, just a final quick wrap up, we, we focused on the news, the, the trends, the things that happened. I wanted to take a moment because we talk about med tech people to focus on med tech people or products or singular things that sort of really stuck with us as reporters, as people covering the industry the whole year. So, Jim Hammer, let's let's start with you. This isn't the most important person you talk to. It's not the most influential person you talk to. But what was an interview or a conversation that uh, that really that really stuck with you, or a person that really stuck with you, uh, and that you think will be making an impact going forward? Yeah, looking back on this past year, you know, I've been doing so many interviews, but there's one that really sticks out, and there's more of a conversation that sticks out as giving me hope for the future, really inspiring me. And it's it's not someone at a major med tech; it's a startup. Um, people know about the startup; it's Synchron. They are developing the brain computer interface, um, but it pulls together so many trends. It's minimally invasive placement of a nitinol stent that has electrodes that can read signals in your brain. And it's helping paralyzed patients already convert their thoughts into actions, communicating by text. Text, you know, controlling simple smart features. Um, it was a great conversation about the ethics of you know tapping this secret or opening the secret back door to the brain, um, and what they're doing really seems miraculous if uh, if you didn't realize that it's actually possible. So this is uh, it was a great conversation. It's going to be on the cover of our leadership edition, most likely uh, coming out in January. I've posted a little bit of a sneak peek the story on our website, um, but I'm really excited to see what uh, they come through with in 2023. We We've got um, uh, investigational trials uh, that I believe they've already opened enrollment for, um, or maybe they even complete enrollment. Very exciting things to come from Synchron. Very cool. Cool choice. Kayleen Brown? I refuse to settle to one. I'm sorry, Tom, but I'll go very, very quickly. So I have a top four, and I'm cheating even more because one of them I didn't even speak with. I reject the premise of your question. I'm a rebel with a cause. Uh, okay, so one of them I heard did not speak with, but that's Julie Tyler, president of Abbott's Vascular Business. The idea of somebody sticking with one company, she's now been there for 28 years and advancing not just within the company, but bringing them so far forward has been inspiring. And her personal story has touched not just my life, but so many people's lives that we uh, that I've spoken with after hearing Julie Tyler speak at Device Talks West. And then she uh, won the Powell Award at uh, MedTech, Women's MedTech Vision. So inspiring. Okay. So one person I have actually spoken to, uh, Dr. Ha Hong, mm-hmm. you've already talked about the Chief Artificial Intelligence Officer for Medtronic's Endoscopy Division. Uh, he was hired earlier this year and he reports uh, to Dr. Ken Washington. So I know, Jim, that you were talking about that. But the idea of somebody coming from uh, Caption Health and being one of the f- leaders in AI and bringing that innovation and bringing that vision to a huge company like Medtronic is really inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about smart guy. I mean, he's, he thinks so abstract. And having a powerhouse like that, Medtronic is going to do very, very well. Uh, Kristen Carroll, she's the CEO of Can Do Health. 
inspiring on every level, checks all of the boxes. But what is particularly interesting to me is this idea, and I'm sure that you'll agree with me here. The When I first started in the industry about 15 years ago, you know, we really thought about med tech as like the technology. 15 years later, we're thinking about medical devices from the perspective of after patient uh, you know, surgery and after the implant um, was put in. So post-acute care and uh, Kirsten mm-hmm. Curl from Imperative Care went to CanDo Health um, to focus on people recovering from stroke. That is a way of thinking about healthcare that I haven't seen in the last 15 years. It's not just about how can we fix it today, but how can we continue to support and better uh, those health outcomes and better those lives? And one of the things that Kirsten had said is, um, which really resonated with me, sure, we can fix it today, but if we fix somebody's health issue today, what about the other 40 years of their life? And I hadn't really thought about it like that. Last thing, uh, Rebecca Whitney, president of the Spine Division for Zimbi, brilliant, inspiring, one of the most, I think, um, strategic leaders in this space that I've ever had the pleasure of sitting down with. Okay, I'll stop now, but brilliant. All worthy, all all worthy of mention. So I'm glad you, you fit them all in there. Chris Newmarker, do you have, you want to go with five? You want to top, top Kayleen's list? No, you know, but I, I would the, the one I would would put out there is um it was it was really fantastic at uh, Device Talks Boston made to uh you know to uh, moderate a panel uh you know with uh you know you know uh you know officials from you know Abbott and and uh you know and Brigham Women's Hospital you know about Mass Gen about uh about LVADs you know and how to make them more accessible. What made that panel? like just even better was they, you know, they had a, a former LVAD uh, patient there, uh, Kyrie Miller. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's one thing to talk about how like, you know, devices can save lives. It's just like, it's just, you know, so much more just to have, you know, someone there who, I mean, his life was saved by, by, by LVADs and, you know, and, and there was also that, that big question there that, you know, Elvads were able to save his life because he lives around Boston and there's like great healthcare around Boston. But, you know, could, you know, someone, you know, with, you know, with heart failure problems have access to that technology and, you know, other parts, other parts of the country, parts of the country that aren't, you know, near uh, large cities with, you know, outstanding, you know, at, you know, like health, health centers that, you know, could provide it. So, I mean, just, just a really, really good talk, you know, produced a really good, uh, you know, uh, like article that was a cover story on medical design and out- outsourcing about, you know, like that, you know, LVADs can save lives. Why are they more, not more available? But that was, that was definitely a highlight of my year. That's great. No, that was a great and powerful conversation. And I'm really, they spoke at Device Talks Boston, as you said, I really love when the OEMs are, are taking the charge of creating panels that are really talking about patients. We want to talk about engineering and devices, but talking about patients. To that end, I was going to go with Fred Kasravi, who I had my interview with him. It's, it's the CEO of Imperative Care. Kayleen, you covered a lot of the, the reasons why I walked away from that interview so impressed. So I'm going to add real quick, and I already mentioned him once, but FDA Commissioner Robert Califf, who I heard at the TCT uh, MedTech Innovation Forum, just talking about not about regulations, not about medical devices, but about the the inequities of care of healthcare in this country. About the fact that people are, are there, are, our lifespans are get growing shorter, our health is not better, our costs are going up. These are all things that that can't continue to 
to swing the way they're swinging. Medical technology needs to make a difference. I think it's why we're all involved in this. And uh, I, I certainly hope that we in 2024 and 2025 begin to find a way to reverse those trends because um, particularly troubling. And uh, I really do hope, as I referenced earlier with surgical robotics, that technology can level the playing field and help more pe- more patients everywhere. So I'll, I'll, his conversation, his presentation is, has stuck with me for several months, and I think it'll be sticking with me for a good long time. So that is my choice. All right. Well, good choices all around. I think good top stories all around. Uh, please make sure you subscribe to the Device Talks Podcast Network. Kaylin and I are working on a, a bunch of new projects. We'll have a lot of new uh, podcasts coming out in 2024. Uh, thank you to everyone who has listened so far. Our, our, our listenership has gone up double percentile points. It's just insanely promising as to how many people are listening to our podcast and we want to bring you more and more and more we had a great conversation just an hour ago with another company that will be part of a podcast in 2024 so make sure you subscribe to the device talks podcast network make sure you subscribe and check out medical design and outsourcing make sure you read mass device every single day make sure you follow all of us all of our products on linkedin and make sure you have a happy holiday season Happy New Year to you, and uh, we will talk to you in 2024.